Clay, we've complained endlessly, endlessly about the quality of Enterprise's cold opens. And here we go. Mm. As the show's about to leave us for the rest of our lives, only a couple episodes from the end of the season, uh, the fourth season, the final season of Star Trek Enterprise, we get this one, which they uh, which they borrow heavily from First Contact, but it's a good cold open. I was having a trivia game on Discord with some of the patrons the other day, and um, it came up like one thing to talk about would be like a top 10 cold open, Star Trek cold open list. That would be something sure, interesting. Sure. There's a few that I can think of from the other series, but I think this is the only one from Enterprise so far that would make that list if I were to make one. I think this is a top 10 contender. It's kind of neat. It's cool what they did. <laughs> Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, for an episode that is probably what I would call the absolute definition of fan service, uh, it delivered the most um, important fan service to me, which was directly calling back to first contact and then eliminating the song from the show. Yeah, <laughs> both are additions mm. by subtraction or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the uh, cold open has. The, uh, the ending of First Contact where uh, James, is it Cromwell? Am I blanking on his name? Yes. Cromwell. Yeah. Cromwell James Cromwell yeah. comes out and he's about to greet the Vulcans who have uh, landed and exposed their ears, giving everybody the heebie-jeebies in the theater. And then instead of um, reaching out to shake their hand, he pulls a shotgun out of his jacket <laughs> and blows those Vulcan <laughs> bastards right to hell. And then they storm the ship. And that's the start of the Terran Empire, or so we're led to believe. So if you if you don't know it's coming, great great opening. I mean, it's a good opening even if you do know it's coming. Yeah. But like if if you're just sitting down for whatever this week's episode of Enterprise is and it opens with that, it's it's pretty solid. Yeah, it, it, it's good. It's interesting because it um there's been no hint of the mirror universe to that point, and then it goes into the theme song right, right there. So that's that's the only clue. So we're talking about in a mirror darkly this week. It's a two parter, so I have a little bit of uh, reading to get through here. It is the 18th episode, part one is the 18th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on April 22nd, 2005. It is one of two in the In the Mirror Darkly arc. It is one of 13 in the Mirror Universe arc. It is two of six in the USS Defiant arc. Written by Mike Sussman, directed by James L. Conway in University date, January 13th, 2155, date 0141.7, and April 5th, 2063. In part one, in the Mirror Universe, Commander Archer mutinies against Captain... F- Commander Archer mutinies against Captain Forrest in order to capture a future Earth ship found in Tholian space. The second part, it's the 19th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise, came out on April 29th, 2005. Two of two in the In a Mirror Darkly arc, two of 13 in the Mirror Universe arc, three of six in the USS Defiant arc. Teleplay again goes to Mike Sussman. Story credit goes to Mandy Cotto, directed by Marvin Rush in Universe Date, January 18th, 2155. In the second part, in the Mirror Universe, the destruction of the Enterprise leaves the crew stranded aboard the USS Defiant, a ship from a future parallel universe where a governing body known as the United Federation of Planets reigns, inspiring to Paul to speak out against the tyranny of the Terran Empire. When you say one of 13 in the Mirror Universe arc, are you talking chronologically across the entire franchise? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So Discovery's included in that. There have been 13 mm-hmm. Mirror Universe episodes to this point. This is the second best. I'll say that from the start. Yeah, it is. Um, Mirror Mirror is better. But Mirror, you can't get better than the original TOS concept. But I think that this, 
you know, as 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 fucked out as the mirror universe is in this goddamn franchise, this is the second mm-hmm. best episode out of these 13, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say so. I, you know, I still think it suffers from a lot of the problems that every mirror universe episode that isn't mirror mirror suffers from, which is like, yeah, it's fun, but it's kind of ultimately not about anything. Yep. Um, but you do, they, they, they at least wisely, uh, didn't play the mirror universe card until four seasons in. So you actually had familiarity with the characters that you could invert instead of doing it, you know, three episodes into a brand new series. Yes. Um, that being said, it also, it also reminded me kind of a lot of the most recent discovery mirror universe episode. Well, up, I would say the first episode of this two-parter did, it seemed to, and maybe I don't know if that's just because all Mirror Universe episodes are eventually about a mutiny against the captain yeah, or something. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a limited um, universe with which you can play around in. But yeah, the idea, the idea of uh, mutiny against the captain uh, and uh, trying to find the the super powerful ship from the other. Don't isn't that what they do in in Discovery? Is in at the some first point, the first season you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's the mutiny. Um, Are they looking for a powerful ship in that case? For some reason, I thought that they it was like they needed to... Well, I guess they have a discovery in the mirror universe, right? Yeah, what is Lorca doing? Lorca wants to go back with the discovery for some reason, right? Do they not have a discovery? Yeah, I, I don't can't, know. I can't remember. I don't, Fuck. I don't care. That, that yeah, forget it. Um, Reliving the glory days of Discovery really, Season yeah. 1 on, on, the, on this Enterprise podcast. Um. But yeah, I thought it was good. Um, yeah, I. It's tough because I think it's it's fine, but it is also very much like. Let's play as many. Let's get as get as get as much uh, as many cheap pops as we can on the way out the door here, because you know, you got the mirror universe, you got the the defiant, you've got uh, the whole second episode takes place on the bridge of a TOS style ship yeah the gorn shows up in a questionably rendered version of the gorn yep yep um, a questionable subplot too uh, like in, in, yeah in all honesty yeah subplot that doesn't really go anywhere <clears throat> after they kind of kill that guy um but i but that being said i liked the some of the sub uh the subterfuge that was going on i liked what was going on with the vulcans um I like the ending of the second episode. I thought it ended really well. Uh, but I do think it features, across two episodes, the single worst performance from Scott Bakula I've ever seen. Yeah, we, we, can, we could start there. Um, he's pretty bad in this. Uh, this was It was an interesting acting performance because in a, in a lot of ways, we always do our power rankings at the end of a season and we kind of go through like what characters mm. we like and a lot of it is based on the actors that are in it. I was um I thought that some of the characters some of the actors in this are elevated from a position where I've previously held them just because I was like oh they can actually do more than one thing. Bacula actually takes a nosedive where he's now like without hesitation I'm like he's the worst captain of all the captains. <laughs> like like that, yeah, that was always yeah. going to be the answer but now it's just like yeah he's he's clearly the worst actor in a worst captain character of all time because i i was watching this all all the time every time that he's on there i'm just going 
this episode would be real different with any of the other captain actors in this role. Like if sure. it was the same episode, sure. but it was just any of the other characters in the, or any of the other actors, because he, he spends the entire time with his perpetual bacula of frowny face where it looks like he's got a hurdy poop about to come out and he's just like <laughs> disappointed by everything that's going on and his mm-hmm. anger and his anger and rage never sells. It never comes across no. to me that he's actually no, angry once. about everything. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. And uh, he keeps trying to dial it up and go over the top, but he goes over the top like someone who's never climbed a fence before. And he, you know, he struggles <laughs> to get to the top and he catches his, he catches his leg of his pants on the, on the spoke on the top and kind of falls over and, you know, yep. tears his groin and then just comes plummeting back down to the mud. Uh, it's just, it's not believable. It's not, you know, he's, if, if there's almost a, the room level quality to his performance in this, where if I were him, I would have been like, (laughs) well, what I was trying to do is I was actually trying to hearken back to, uh, William Shatner Shatner. in the the original series. Make it sound like you talked to him about this. Yeah, Yeah, Bill. You know, I, I love Bill's performance, and I, I I really wanted to 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 pay homage to it because there was a few moments that, like the way they shot it, there, there's one in particular, the first time where he kisses Hoshi, where I was like, this feels like a '60s TOS kiss because it's one of those things where it's like the only way we know how to play sexual tension on TV at this t- point is the guy has to grab her by the shoulders and yeah. hold her really intensely yeah. and then just put his whole face into her whole face mm-hmm. to kiss. No tongue, just smashing your no, just smashing no, just, lips together. Yeah. Face on yeah. face. And it was just really strange. Like all of that stuff that, that was like outside the realm of kind of more naturalistic acting felt really foreign to me coming from him. And there's so much sex with him in this episode, <laughs> these two episodes, <laughs> and it's kind of creepy. And I was watching it, and my girlfriend watched it, walked in, and she goes, "Oh, what what's this episode?" Right as they kiss for the first time, and she yeah. goes, "Oh, uh, and she just left the room and never came back. <laughs> I was, I was curious about it, right? Because I, I, I was watching it, and I was similarly like. Amy was sitting with me and I was similarly like had a like a, a weird feeling in my stomach. I was I always feel that watching sex scenes with Amy is kind of strange anyway because I look at her and I'm like, should we start? Like there's this like you're like acknowledging that. Do you is, want to <laughs> Do you want to try these things that they're doing? I, I always feel that there's this like awkwardness. The because, last time the last time you suggested that was during Re- Requiem for a Dream, and you'll never live it down. <laughs> Uh, thank God all the kids came before that. But like the, so um, there's always this awkwardness of watching it, uh, a sex scene with my wife for some reason, just because it like, you feel you, you have to comment on it, even though you don't really like, it's just this kind of throwaway thing. But in Enterprise, I was really, um, I'm not prone to this idea, but I was like, is this too... Are they taking the trope of like the the sex the sexy sexism sexy sexism of the night of the sixties? Are they <laughs> are they going too far with it? Does it feel worse for some reason because they're not nailing it? And I was like, no, 
like I think it's fair to pay homage to that. Like this feels appropriate to TOS. I think the tone of this really feels like the '60s TOS mirror universe in a lot of ways, which I think is the success mm-hmm. of the episode. So then I'm, I'm left just looking at it, going, I think it's just that Star Trek is so unsexy that this is yeah. disturbing yeah. me because right after this was over, we watched uh, the U series on Netflix, which Amy's watching. There's a lot of you know, sex and that there's like graphic sure. sex scenes and stuff, but I wasn't disturbed by that. It's just the fact that Star Trek and enterprise are so sexless and asexual right, that right. once they start getting into it in a way that, um, TOS is not, it never feels weird when Kirk and TOS do it, but it does feel weird when Archer and this crew do it. That, that's, that's a long way just right. to say this show is, it felt very jarring to go from the completely bland Enterprise thing into a 60s uh, sort of homage where all the sexiness is very upfront. And it's like, this is a, the show is never, they can't even get the trip into Paul thing right. Now they expect to, to right. get this thing right. Yeah. They didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing that's weird about it is because, you know, I think <clears throat> the, the successfulness of that stuff series to series depends on how much it is um not how frequently it's present but like for instance it doesn't feel weird in the 60s one because it's always kind of there under the surface to a certain extent yeah you know kirk is always kind of sexed up a little bit you know there everybody has got short dresses and cleavage out and you know bulging biceps and stuff yeah so it doesn't feel as weird and you know at this point looking back at that there's a there's a camp factor to it that kind of sands the edges off as well i, I think that show is more honest <clears throat> about uh, sort of intimate, rela- not maybe not like attra- attraction relationships too. Like it mm-hmm. had a kind of honesty about like there were like people were hooking up on the ship. There were like people had kissing. They would fall in love with characters of the week. There was a there was a sense that you could actually play with that emotional state. And Enterprise mm-hmm. really feels very sterile. Like no one ever has yeah. any interest. Yeah, in that's, that stuff. That's the thing is that Enterprise specifically is just sexless and um kind of immature yeah in how it handles it's that stuff because even tng people aren't fucking all over the ship in tng but you get a sense that when they deal with that stuff it's dealt with a, a little bit more maturely they have adult relationships yeah they they have the um yeah to go back to our uh, little women they have the victorian era women's writing about sexual it's like people fraught yes. with emotion yeah. but they're not going to actually have sex with each other yeah, and and uh, I think DS Nine fucks a little bit more yeah, than yeah. the other shows do. <laughs> it's a little bit more uh, natural there. Uh, they try to do it on Discovery, but it just feels weird yep. in Discovery. Yep. It's never felt right. I'm not sure why. I think it's because they're trying to be edgy and modern, so they go too far with it sometimes. But um, yeah, this show is has just always been so kind of clinical. Uh, even when they're trying to do sexy stuff, it feels like they're doing it very clinically. Yeah. Um, you know, the let's let's have some nice, competent, establishing shots of of a woman's bosom as she rubs sparkling stuff onto her chest. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, okay, this isn't exactly uh, the Spice Channel here. We've come a long way um, from that. The Spice Channel, nice callback. I'm getting yeah, blur- I'm getting blurry lines. Oh, <laughs> <in my vision>. <laughs> you know, I'm make I'm just trying to make a reference that's contemporary to when people are watching it. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's. It's one failing that in a show that otherwise I think really did the tone pretty well um, across the board, maybe outside of Bacula and the sexiness, uh, I think this does a good job of really feeling 
like TOS in, in a way that the other uh, plot lines, even the Klingon and the Vulcan arc, there was like an intersection of TOS in this series that was more intellectual than I actually felt it. But this felt like there was actually like aesthetic connections, like the, the set design and everything is like, oh, like I see how they're going to move into this kind of era. Um, even if it doesn't really make any sense, like the bridge of the Enterprise doesn't look very advanced compared to the Enterprise and stuff. It's all that irrelevant nonsense, yeah. but that's, in tone, I thought it worked. That was one thing that actually really stood out to me this time, and usually I don't care about this stuff, but the the bridge of the TOS era, Defiant, felt a lot older and not as sophisticated as Enterprise does. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because they go out of their way to show close-ups of buttons and shit. Of buttons, and when yeah, you see, they, yeah, how accurate yeah. they are. Yeah. When you see T'Pol jotting down um, tran- uh, transmission codes or whatever on one of those, like, blue rectangles that yeah, existed that before floppy the- disks existed. <laughs> it was just an approximation <laughs> of what, like, a filing system, digital yeah. filing system might be like versus the shit that they have on Enterprise. It's like, ugh, okay. Um, so yeah, it, it, I, I calling too much attention to that stuff does make it kind of stand out, but I, I even, even there, like it felt like it felt like they were trying in certain ways to go for the sixties aesthetic, but they, they like were kind of too timid to go all the way or something Mm. like when, when you show up to enterprise and it's like, oh, it's the mirror universe. So all the women are wearing midriff uniforms. Yeah. It feels really kind of awkward to me, specifically because none of the men's uniforms are changed. It's like if, if they really wanted to go for that, it would be midriffs and no sleeves for yeah, the that's men. That's true. Or they don't, they you know? don't do the sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. Even though. Um, yeah. It felt, it felt, it just felt a little bit like they were like, all right. What can we do to make this different? Uh, what if everybody shows? What if all the hot ladies put their stomachs on display? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Mayweather was like, "I can take the sleeves off this jumpsuit." Why didn't they have to. him take his sleeves off? That's that's all that. They yeah, care. if anyone should take the sleeves off, it should be him, <laughs> Travis. I I did find a strange symmetry that he's useless in both universes. Yes, really. Like he just doesn't. Have but you know, problem. but you know, he's evil because he's got an earring now. Yeah, and he has a sort of like. G.I. Joe hair. Like he has like yes, he's, got, he's got he's got the the hair from Blade. <laughs> yeah, he's got Blade's hair. <laughs> I was um yeah, his his hair always took my fancy. I don't think he says anything. And to jump to the end, he's not he's not integral to the plot, right? He comes in and Hoshi kisses him, but he didn't he didn't yeah. set Archer up in any way, right? They they were just having Hoshi kiss literally every guy in the cast and they're like, Hey, come on in, Anthony. <laughs> I guess. I guess, turn. yeah. I I really kind of lost track of the the um, the backstabbing. The, yeah, the backstabbing plot. Because at first I thought that they rounded it out when they got. Uh, I don't know. I thought they had. I thought they had tied it up like three different times, yeah. and then then it kept coming back. Because once you get to the second episode, it doesn't really feel like that's going on anymore. Um, and ultimately, even so, I couldn't really figure out why it was that important. Um, given what they were trying to do, the, the overall larger story. Yeah. Um, but I did like the end. I did like the 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 ultimate uh, <clears throat> turnabout by Hoshi was good. Hoshi, the uh, long long lost ancestor of Philippa Georgiou, right? Both Asian. I, guess. I, ha- I have to assume they're related, being Asian with each other. 
Um, so let's get <laughs> there's into- no there's no other possible there's no other explanation possibility explanation. Yeah, they must be related. Um, so I, I think that the reason that this works mostly for me as a mirror universe is because the mirror universe generally in all the other series where they do things like this, uh, it generally tends to struggle to have anything to say. Uh, that's why it works so well mm-hmm. in TOS is because the the mirror there is so clear where it's the upstanding TOS crew runs into evil versions of themselves, except for Spock, who's the twist in that episode that he is not really particularly evil in the mirror universe. He's still a logical character that they can interact with. Um, mm-hmm. This one... What I thought that this one did well is that I appreciated all the little glimpses into both the character work that has been done in the Prime Universe and the where the sort of founding of the Federation starts. So, like, I think it's really interesting to make this a Mirror Universe episode that is about how the Terran Empire sort of kickstarted its stuff that we know further down the line. Like they're, they're clearly evil starting this, but it doesn't, you don't get the sense that they are a completely monomaniacal, like genocidal race at this point, like between forest and the other admirals that Archer runs into they're they're bad people, but they're not mustache twirling mirror universe type people that Archer and Hoshi eventually become in this. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I thought that it's, it's kind of neat to see the start of the mirror universe be mirrored as the uh, or the enterprise, the start of the Federation be mirrored in how the Terran Empire came to be. I thought that that was kind of cool, but I also thought that little scenes like um, the first scene that Trip and Paul share, where they're having the same awkward interaction with each other because they've slept with each other, but in the mirror universe, he's upset that she used he she used him or something for Pont Far. There's, it's a it's a right, slight twist right. on they did have yeah. sex, but the the reasons they did it are different than they were in the Prime Universe. It's a little more twisted and dark in this version. I liked all that stuff. I thought it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I thought that stuff was good. I I think it falters. I honestly think the setup is probably better. I'd say uh, if you're if you're calling the 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 two episodes one big story, I think the first act and the last act are a lot better than the middle, because mm-hmm. um, you get into some weird stuff, like evil Archer seeing a ghostly version of good Archer, who's like the like the, the conscience on his shoulder driving him to be more evil or something yes. that I kind of came out of nowhere and and meant ultimately nothing. Yep. That's the same. I mean, with Gorn. I get. I, I would tack that in. There's a. There's yeah, a there, yeah. It's a two-parter that really feels like they padded it to make it two parts. You know, it's one of those 1.5 yeah. episodes where they don't need a full two episodes to get the point across. So they have to oh, fill totally. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could probably do this in in one episode. I mean, yeah. I would say 1.5 probably. Yeah. Um. And like, I kind of get what they're going for with that stuff, where <clears throat> he's seeing this. Uh, version this other version of himself that's so highly respected and he's not and so he's trying to he's trying to climb his way up the ladder through force and it ultimately bites him in the ass or et cetera et cetera. Um, I mean, did, you find, so, did so, you find that believable? He's 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 no, played, not really. He's played as paranoid. Like Mirror Archer is played as paranoid from the start. He's kind of a um, he doesn't seem like he has all of his marbles together, but he loses his mm-hmm. mind over the course of the two episodes where this this angel angel angelic version of mirror of prime archer is on his shoulder sort of confusing him about what's going on and things like that and pushing mm-hmm. him to do this stuff. 
the big thing for me is that, um, like in the archer, in the playground of these two archers pairing off against each other, where he reads the Wikipedia entry about what Prime Archer was all about. Boy, has this episode, has this series really failed to make me feel like anyone's going to remember Jonathan Archer when this is oh, over. Oh, seriously, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was reading that entry. Yes. I was just like, he's like, they named. 67 universities after him two planets are named after it's like this guy he is he is known as the greatest explorer in human history human history (laughs) he's this bumbling idiot for four seasons yeah and it's like all all i'm all i'm picturing when when they're saying that is like is that counting the time he turned into like a cro-magnum monster (laughs) and then got squirted by a sex plant and almost (laughs) Am, am i being Am I being unfair to him? I really feel that the other captains, I at least felt that they deserved some kind of blurb like that. Like if any character came up and gave them the like uh, potted history before they record their academic podcast or something, I would have bought all of those descriptions of those captains. Yeah. I don't I don't buy that stuff about Archer. They're assuming a lot of stuff that happens after the show goes on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it's kind of like not even Christopher Columbus or like one of those guys is referred to as the greatest explorer who ever lived. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously for well within good reason. Uh, uh, but it's just so strange because in, in, in people like those people like them, it's like, oh, well, uh, a traditional understanding that one, he discovered the new world or Mary Lewis and Clark or something like that went down the Mississippi River highly regarded but not talked about like that but in this case you get to see what archer actually did yeah and it's like i mean <laughs> he was just the guy in the chair in at the, the chair. time really yeah. you know yeah so yeah i i don't get the sense like that that description is i don't think his character lives up to that description but again maybe that's part of the idea is that over time because i mean think about what they do with um Zephram Cochran, right? He's yes. high. He's so highly regarded in the in the the TNG era where we first hear about him, but then you go back and you meet him, and he's this drunken shithead who yeah. uh, just fell ass backwards into warp travel. Yeah, but I don't think that they that, like that's clearly a point of that is like the point of sure. in first contact. Sure. It's about meeting your heroes. Never really lives up to what you expect of them. But Archer is not sure. being played that way. Archer is just being talked up as a he has to be important because he's the first captain who's out here. Yeah. Despite all. Yeah. Evidence. I think, I think when you come down to that stuff, it, it, it does intention. It doesn't Trump, uh, execution, mm-hmm. you know, like if you want to put that in there and so someone can read this and be like, Oh, okay, sure. They're making this comparison of he's after how many years he's been treated, blah, 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 blah. If it's, that's, that's never been like a subtextual or textual thing they've done on the show. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even really come up again in this episode, so it's not like they're trying to make a point about it or anything. So it's difficult. Yeah, outside for me of the, to, um, we're trying to live up to the the angel on his shoulder type thing. Like he, he sure, reading that sure. blurb is what sets him off in that insanity complex thing where he's hearing right. that Archer voice in his head. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, I I like what they do with Archer in this that they do give him that sort of inferiority complex that drives him. I don't know if they. You know, I don't know. I don't know if they necessarily. I, I think they could have done the same thing with Hoshi instead of this weird, uh, ghostly um, 
Jiminy Cricket version of Prime Archer showing up, you mm-hmm. know? Like, especially because Hoshi is revealed to be the kind of the mastermind of the situation and taking the most um, advantage of everything. I think there's plenty of, and, you know, they spend so much time in bed with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, she kind of has the perfect role for sort of digging away at his his uh insecurities and his in his uh, self-confidence yeah it would have spoiled the ending i guess right like they they play yeah, that i guess as it a depends surprise. yeah i guess it depends on how you do it you know it's 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 all all in the execution yeah it's one it's one of those things where it's like the mirror universe doesn't really matter you know, so it's like I can't hold mm-hmm. it too hard against it that things aren't either played up or like some of the logic that's used there or some of the character decisions because it's it's never really about like continuity within the Terran Empire is important to me. It's it's just not right. Right. It, the, the universe is so nonsensical that to try to make a continuity out of it is pointless. Like you know yeah. when you when you talk about how the, how does the Klingon Empire exist when they're basically built on like i'm going to kill the captain and i'll become the captain right this is an even worse version of that because the the klingons have this like at least this basic spine of like honor culture like there's only Mm -hmm. you only kill the captain if you think that he's unworthy of being killed but the mirror universe is just your whole life is based around it you still gotta beat him in a fight you still gotta fight right yeah you tell him like if you were to if you were to stab him in the back you would probably also be executed right you you have to actually stand him down and challenge him to a duel yeah so um, that works but in the mirror universe it's just i'm gonna poison your tea and you're gonna die but everyone still drinks tea yeah. all the time i feel like there's a there's a lower decks episode in there somewhere like did you see the uh the rick and morty episode about time travel with the snakes i don't think it, so it it's really good it gets into the in, into uh <clears throat> the ridiculousness of time travel and the endless paradoxes that it, it would create if it was something that could actually happen it's it's worth watching it's mm-hmm. a good one but uh i feel like there's a lower decks episode built in that you could do in the mirror universe that's just everybody just poisoning each other over and over <laughs> and over again <laughs> mix in that uh the princess bride scene just like forgetting yes, which cup yeah. is poisoned is, is the way the mirror yeah. universe works so but the, you know i i think i can't remember if it was during ds9 or discovery or maybe it was completely separate from any coverage. I can't remember if we talked about this, but I I, fe- I feel like somewhere along the way, we came across someone's theory making sense of the the mirror universe. In that, there's nothing that says it's the same one every time, so sure. that accounts for the Variance. lack of continuity. Yeah, yeah, is that you know the discovery <clears throat> mirror universe doesn't need to line up with the one from DS9, which doesn't need to line up with the one from TOS, just yep. because. You know, mirror can mean a lot of different things, I guess. It could be any number of other universes. Yeah, I, I guess I would argue this feels distinctly like the TOS universe. Like DS9 sure, always yes, felt weird. Yeah. DS9's mirror universe always felt like this is, this seems like a strange version of what they were yeah, doing earlier. Yeah. Uh, and they also, they have the Defiant too, which uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I feel like this ship has come up three or four times and I never remember what the story is. We did, so we, if you could enlighten me <laughs> as to what the story behind the ship is again, please. We just rewatched uh, Tholian Webb on Patreon for this maybe a month or two ago. But that's where they, uh, uh, the Tholians have their web and then there's the Defiant which phases out of existence and they wonder where it went in TOS. They don't figure out where it went at the end of the show. But this is just it. Uh, 
showing up here, it both goes to the mirror universe and conveniently goes back in time at the same time so that it can end up sure. here. I think Discovery's only reference is that they bring up the defiant that it happened, that this has happened to that ship before when they go into the mirror universe. It's, it's their examination of that. Um, well, they shouldn't, they shouldn't know that, right? Discovery is five years before TOS, so they should. Well, either way, I mean, they don't have, it never comes back, right? No, it and never they, comes back. How do they know that? They anyway, again. Let, let's let's not, not jump into not, season not dwell, one. Discovery. Not dwell on discovery. <laughs> it might that might have that might have been a weird mistake. It might have been anyway. To get back to what makes this a kind of unique and interesting mirror universe thing, there is no need to show Batman's parents being killed. They say, we don't need prime characters in this universe. Everyone knows what the mirror universe is. We don't need to have our characters stumble into this right. universe and go, what the hell? Is this some kind of right, mirror right. universe that we found ourselves in? They just, they go with it. I think it saves a tremendous amount of time and it makes it all the more effective to never see your original characters. The downside here, this means that in the last five episodes of Enterprise, three of the episodes do not feature any of the real characters of the show. Really? The finale and this two-parter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the finale is a holodeck thing. Yep. Spoilers. Which is Which is weird. That's very weird. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> going out swinging, I guess. Um, Did you miss the prime characters? Not, well, yes and no. No, because, again... I feel like, and I, it it feels to me sometimes like the people who were doing Discovery like only watched Enterprise or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, because you can do this episode in the fourth season of your show because you've had three seasons preceding it, where you introduced are introduced to all these other characters. You know what they're like. You know how they act. You know what their relationships are. So Mirror Universe. Okay, you can see what the difference is yeah and discovery you don't the way that they handled it at least in the first run through is you don't have any real uh basis of comparison to understand why these characters are acting differently than they do in the main universe like there's that whole thing with where tilly is actually evil or whatever and it's like i don't understand what they're doing here because you never meet evil Tilly. So I don't understand what the difference is. You're just showing me half of that equation. Yep. Um, but you can do it here because you have that basis of, uh, of, uh, of knowing everything before you get to this point. However, I'll just to, before it, you get to your, however point, yeah. I see that in small moments, like um, there's a mirror universe, mirror universe flocks into Paul have a meal together scene, which they haven't done in a couple seasons, but they used to do that pretty consistently. And it was kind of neat to see evil flocks and evil to Paul have a conversation about that. It is, I, I think that that's what this episode, this two-parter succeeds at is that it, in the sense that you're saying, because we know these characters for four seasons, you can actually have interestingly twisted versions of those characters having scenes that are exactly the way that they would play on the original show, but they're different yeah. and they show you something yeah. about it. I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah. My however is just that, you know, the mirror universe, and this is sort of like a two-leveled however, like a surface however that leads to not necessarily however, however if that makes sense. Um 
the mirror universe is usually best utilized as a is have like a, a th- presenting a thematic comparison for uh to to help the the prime characters learn something or the audience to learn something different about these characters right here you don't get that directly but what you do get is what you're talking about where you're getting these comparisons um because you know these characters and you see see how things are different and you see how things are laying out but i think what's lacking from it is <clears throat> you get to see these comp- these different versions but they are ultimately kind of felt like they were a little bit empty because they didn't really amount to anything other than just kind of showing you the alternate version like them i do think thematically there are some interesting things going on but i don't know i think i think you could you could push it a little further um as far as what they're trying to say i think i think i think the focus there i don't know if i would disagree i don't know if i disagree if i kind of agree but i I think that the focus from the episode is less about the characters the characters are played for more um vignette scenes where their their interactions don't really matter it's more kind of like a cute little sketch about how a darker version of the original religion uh, relationship would work but what i do think they do is that the true thematic mirror here is the formation of the federation slash terran empire it's that sense of like and why i think that it works is because We've been complaining about the, fe- the in the Prime Universe through Enterprise, the founding of the Federation has felt a little bit underwhelming and kind of like half-baked and, and not really mm-hmm. as galactic mm-hmm. or um, big of an event as you would expect. The, similarly, the founding of the Terran Empire is like Archer flying around on a ship and he's like, now I'm in charge. <laughs> this, is, right. this is how we do things. <laughs> and so it feels thematically like a match in a weird way to enterprise where neither of them are particularly impressive events, but it's kind of neat to just see the different paths that like, even down to the opening credits, which we haven't talked like in, in the original prime universe, the opening credits are all about exploration and going out into the stars and mankind's development here. It's about the development of weaponry and warfare right. in the Terran empire. Right. So I, I think that, that it matches it nicely there. And it, so I think that the show is less to say about the characters and more to just be like, the two universes started similarly in a different way, you know, and which, which isn't particularly deep. I don't think it has anything to say that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to think about that for a little while. But I thought that they, they matched each other in a mirror universe kind of way that was nice and better than a lot of other mirror universe stuff does. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I like the scene with T'Pol and the other Vulcan guy whose name is. Soval. I also like, yeah, go to go go T. I like that they gave him a goatee. <laughs> that was very nice. <clears throat> I was kind of, I was kind of hoping they would give Reed the goatee because I yeah. feel like he would be a good uh, evil English goatee. Yeah, guy. it shows how bad of a Star um, Trek fan is. I, I, I completely forgot it's just a Vulcan thing in the mirror universe to where I had the goatee. Oh, is that what it is? It's, it's just a Vulcan male, male thing? Vulcans. Yeah, have the goatees. Ah, uh, okay. Well, it's become so ubiquitous in pop culture outside of that that evil version means goatee that yep. it's it's easy to forget. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I liked what they were doing there with with some of the uh, uh, the Vulcan stuff. Um, that scene with him and T'Pol was was nice. Um, I like that they kill a lot of people. That's the fun thing about these alternate universes; you can just yeah. start killing people. Is there something charming about the fact that T'Pol's plan fails? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's again, that's what you can do in these episodes: is you can have 
have them blow it and end up getting killed for it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked, <laughs> I, I liked, uh, um, uh, trips two face makeup. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of fun. <clears throat> Uh, apparently, apparently the radiation seal on the mirror universe engine is not as tight as it is on the not prime universe engine. Not as concerned yeah. about it. Yeah, the, the, he's physically scarred. Reed is a Mako in this, which is something we've been saying should have been happening from the start of the series. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's actually more dedicated of his military man. Another small universe thing. Reed invents the uh, the force field in the prime universe in one of the earlier seasons, and now he invents the the agony booth in the. It's it's one of those oh, small. Right. It's like yeah. everyone we have to know invents these things. Um, although, I wish they had a moment where when they were on the the defiant, the red alert thing goes off, and it said red alert, and he went ah red alert. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! I was so close. Um, I don't think there's much to say about the agony booth, really. Uh, it's necessary to be in there. Flocks, I enjoyed, who has gone yes. from being an yeah, animal collector to now he just basically vivisects live animals, it looks like. He sort of mm-hmm. tortures mm-hmm. live animals. Uh, he tortures the Tholian to death in this one. Um, I thought that they were good. Again, it's it's a, it's this thing where I, I don't think they're really saying a lot about the characters in this universe, yeah. but I thought that just the 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 flip of them was kind of interesting to watch. This was a um, it was a weird Enterprise multi episode arc in that for all of the other multi episode Enterprise arcs, when I got to the end of the first episode, I wasn't I was never like, oh, I, I'm going to watch the second one right now. I've mm-hmm. always been like, okay, I'll. I'll watch that one later. Uh, this one was yeah, the only one yeah. where I was like, yeah, I'd like to see how this plays out. This has kind of got a great ending going on here. The Tholian web, in contrast to the TOS episode, actually seems like a devastating weapon in this one because yeah. you can do it quickly and it makes sense. Yeah, instead of a instead of an arcade machine on the, on the fritz. <laughs> in the TOS, the ship had to be disabled so that they could spin the web around it. This one, they just yeah, shoot it like lasers. Like- yeah. And it's super slow, if I remember yeah. correctly, from the TOS It's one ship just going like, across boop, the screen. Yeah. yeah, that's what I... I wasn't 100% sure, but I was... In my head, I was like, it's like a like a, like a Galaga or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> boop, 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 now spin, this, boop. It takes off. Never hits the corner of your uh, of your screen. This one, it makes it yes, effective. Yeah. They can trap it. They trap a ship, and then they just shoot the shit out of it, um, resulting in... Admiral Forrest deciding to stay behind and giving the greatest ship is blowing up around him sequence I've ever seen because that looked fantastic when he's <laughs> pounding away at the keys as the whole ship is blowing up around him. Mm-hmm, Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, I feel like there's stuff to do about the theme, but maybe not. Is this just a lighter episode than I'm thinking it is? Is it? Just- well, I think, I think one of the reasons it probably works as one of the better if not second best mirror episode is because it is it's focused in that it is answering a, a what if question right like the 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 ds9 episodes feel really unfocused because it's just like it's the last the last week at summer stock camp and everybody's yeah. playing different roles and vamping it up every season um, they went back too it's like yeah yeah and end of the season let's have some fun uh, episode where <laughs> where they just let Avery Brooks off the leash completely. <laughs> um, 
Um, <laughs> and whenever whenever people start getting too high on DS9, you should remind them, remind them that in the seventh season, their last season, they had a mirror universe that was already running out of gas and said, let's also make this a Ferengi episode at the same time. Oh, and they right. combined yeah. both, both horrible running plots into one single one. Um, but, you know, and, and Discovery, I think, Discovery thinks it's doing something interesting, but it's really not. Right. Um, because it isn't, it's not really answering any, like, any questions or, or positing any interesting concepts. Whereas this one is answering a question, which is, as you're saying, well, what is the, what if, what if things went differently when the Vulcans made first contact? Yeah. And how does that lead into what ultimately becomes the Terran Empire? Yeah. That's another, like, I'm probably forgetting a lot of these because it's two episodes and we're trying to cram it into one podcast, but like, Archer's explanation of, like, I think that this episode really succeeds in this moment when he's talking to T'Pol at the very start and he says, imagine if when you came to Earth, you had been our conquerors because in the Terran mindset, they're being invaded by the Vulcans at that point. And it it just so nicely mirrors early Archer where his hatred of the Vulcans was built around being held back. But mirror Archer has the same distrust and hatred of the Vulcans, but because he thinks they're an invading army. And it's 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 this nice... Um, both characters are the same, but their outlook is totally different, and it results in this totally separate splintering of uh, like their interactions with the characters that they're accusing of being either uh, enemies or people who are trying to hold them back or something. I, thought, I think all that stuff works really well. And yeah. even if it doesn't give you a totally different outlook on archer or anything like that it's a kind of you can see multiple stories that have the same beats but they go in different directions which is just kind of a neat writing exercise if anything outside of that yeah yeah they they do a nice job and i will say that um to paul with long hair in a tos uniform is a pretty good look yep yep yeah, the long hair should have been a thing. She looks a little bit elfy, el- elvish, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Outside yeah, of that, she doesn't really look like a. She doesn't really look like a. Uh, uh, what are they called? Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah. They. Um. I like their costuming. Yeah. I. I. Um. To be to get back into like the is this is this inappropriately sexy thing, I I appreciate the. Like Discovery would never do that TOS costuming look, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 not a show of that of an era where that would be really allowable. But you know, it's like I I look at this thing and they're clearly riffing on because Uhura had to wear the midriff thing in the '60s show. Like that's that's where they're getting these fashion choices from. I would agree with mm-hmm. you that they should have ripped the sleeves off of all their shirts to make the men actually look legitimate in this universe. But um, it was a. I appreciated that they so faithfully followed the original design, especially because it's so obviously feeding into that type of a thing. And right, right. Um. The only other way to uh, this is kind of an awkward segue, but just to, to get to the final point before I think we can wrap it up. Um, the final bit of cleverness is I like the idea that the Defiant went back in time and it's kind of like Star Trek 2009 where a mining ship is now the most powerful ship that's ever been seen before because it's right. advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Defiant is an old 
shitty constitution class or whatever those things were called but against 100 years prior this thing is like the warship of the of all warships that they've ever encountered yeah, yeah it's like it's like that thing everyone always at some point says it's like man what if you went back in time and brought like an m16 to the civil war you yeah. could probably defeat either side by yourself yeah on like one clip of ammo <laughs> yeah um yeah well there was the um because I saw online that there, some people were like, I don't think 100 years of technology is all that big of a deal. Um, and Tell, Listen, okay, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but look at the difference in technology between, especially war technology, between 1914 and 1918, and then tell me that 100 years is not that big of a difference. In no, I mean, you would do just say, have a modern Abrams tank brought back to World War One. And it would single-handedly yeah. win the war, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, if you had a modern, like, Raptor fighter jet against, like, the Red Baron planes, you know, World War II yeah. or something, oh, yeah. it just wouldn't stand a chance. And, well, uh, you... <laughs> You might it might you might stand a chance because it would be like in The Simpsons when um, Sideshow Bob holds the air show hostage and he takes off at the end in the the old biplane mm-hmm. and they send the jets after them and they can't <laughs> catch him because he's too slow. Right. They can't just keep buzzing by him and can't actually catch up with him. That's true. You'd have to you have to get your uh, strafing done correctly. So I think it, yeah, I think it makes but sense. Yeah, one one F fifteen or whatever loaded with bombs would, yeah. could take over the entire world in yeah. 1900 you kidding yep. me yep so i think it works i think that's totally acceptable uh anything else or should we go to final thoughts or the patron thoughts which will probably spur some stuff we have a, a couple of comments it was about 10 of them people are interested in this one well i i guess i was just thinking like did do, do you feel like this is too much like the idea is nice right but do you think it's too much of just a fan service shotgun blast? And I and I don't know if it's because we've we've kind of been doing that stuff already in this season, and we're so close to the end. And like the last couple things were um, the Klingon the virus. Vulcan thing, the Klingon thing, tying up all these other things that aren't necessary. Uh, and then they go into this, which is like not only is it like a what if it was different thing; it's a mirror episode. Plus, you've got they literally go on to a TOS ship. You know, we gave Discovery a lot of shit for pull playing that card. Is well, I mean, I guess they did it at the end of the first season, but still, um, like it, the Gorn is in it for some reason. Yeah, the, every the time Gorn. the Gorn is yeah. mentioned now, I feel like it's like, ugh, do we really need to talk about the Gorn again? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Where, how, how do you feel about it? Well, so here, here's my conflict. Here, I don't know how well you remember it. But what separates um, Trials and Tribulations, the DS9 homage, where they go back in time and they're walking around in the background of the Trouble with Tribbles episode? What separates that episode, which I think we both gave fives, from Mm -hmm. this one? I think it's context more than anything else for me. Because Because when that episode showed up on DS9, it wasn't, in the middle of a string of, hey, please keep watching. Remember these things that mm, you know. Sure. Um, and it was and it was such a gimmick episode. Like they went so far into it. Yeah. That it you can't kind of help but be charmed by it. Um, whereas this one, I'm not so sure. 
especially because the Mirror Universe episodes have such a history of being hit or miss and kind of yeah. like played out and whatnot. Yeah, Tribulations um, is not a Mirror Universe episode, obviously, because right. they just go back in time. Right. And so I was I was just watching it with that kind of in the back of my head where I was like, I don't know, is this this is a nice idea, but is this an honest episode or is this a let's take another swing at the fence? Hopefully we can get more people to watch this in the last five weeks it's on. Yeah. I, I think that uh, before I go to that point, I, I think my, for me the difference between Tribulations and this one is that I really think that the execution of Tribulations is super clever. Like I think that it's kind yes, of neat to have all that yeah. stuff. This does not feel as clever as that. Um, yeah, this has this has more of the like the modern things that people harp on, where it's like Archer comes out wearing the the green wraparound thing, and they're like, "Oh, where did you get that?" crazy shirt and he's like yeah this is what the captains wear isn't it wild yeah, yeah. it's that's the kind of stuff people get annoyed by now because it happens all the time In a in a larger sense people what people like about the fourth season of enterprise um is this stuff where there's this aggressive sure. connection sure. to tos i I think the only thing that excuses it for me is that the show is dead in the water at this point. So why sure. not? Yeah. Like you're yeah. not really yeah. trying to prove anything. However, on a creative level, I would still say you should try to make the best show that Enterprise could be at this point. Right, like I understand right. what you're doing, but I would rather you try to make great Enterprise episodes and stop with this fan stuff because – as we've been talking about in previous episodes, I'm now I'm now seeing this is the franchise bending over backwards to fillet itself, right? Like it is just right, constantly yeah. referencing things. And this is the start of uh, the mirror. It's not the start of the mirror universe because DS9 did it first, but it's the start of just like bringing up the mirror universe just because it's a thing. Like there's only five things in right. Star Trek that apparently can get right, referenced right. at this point. Um, the Klingon augment felt the same way. It's like, I don't need to know this. This is not necessary. You don't have to, you yeah, don't have yeah. to talk about this stuff. So I'm conflicted about enterprise because they knew what they were. They knew they were just trying to give fans what they wanted. But I think at the same time, that's really sacrificing your creative license to not in a bad way, but you're, you're just, you've really given up on your show at that point. And sure. it's, it's not, yeah. it's not about enterprise anymore. And yeah. I see it really as a turning point in the franchise. I think all the stuff that came after this is somewhat influenced, at least by what Enterprise was trying to do um, Yeah, with its dying breath. Yeah. What you're all really going to hate is in about six weeks or so or four weeks when uh, <clears throat> after I give this episode a, I don't know, it feels like they're putting too much old shit into this. <laughs> when I give the finale a glowing review, <laughs> even though it's literally takes place on a different show. <laughs> We're so close to the end of Enterprise. It'll be sad. Yeah. We'll yeah. have some wrap-up thoughts about it. Yeah, but that's my... Um, so just to push it back on you, do you, what do you feel about the way that Enterprise has approached this final season and specifically this? Is this, is this too much fan service? I think I agree that, you know, show's dead in the water. What the hell? May as well... You know, at this point, I, I'm I'm sure the future of the franchise was very much in doubt yeah uh as i mean this was the last thing for what four or five years 
At the, I guess, what, this is a 20, 2003, 2004? This is 2005. This came out. So four years until Star okay, Trek. Okay, four years. Which, you know, if you remember, that used to feel like an eternity. I know. Like five years. If Star Trek was not on TV for five years, it was like the franchise is dead. Yep. Well, I it mean, to dead be fair, in the water. leading into this point, it had been constantly on TV since 87. There was, there was That's always true. a series That's a good point. running. Yeah, but I, I guess like in terms of if you think about in terms of like uh, movie franchises and stuff, yes. you know, um, there they used to be routinely three to five years between movies. Like yep. I, what I didn't even realize is there uh, was a seven year gap between Alien and Aliens, which is crazy because in your in my mind it's like oh yeah they must have made that like two years later because right. that's what they do now. Yeah, they make all these movies like. They start making them before the other one comes out, um, but it's 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 so funny to me that this looking back that this four year gap after <clears throat> Enterprise was done, it was like up oh, Star Trek's dead, it's never coming back. But I, I I know that that wasn't just the time. I'm sure it was also just like the fact that Enterprise just nobody was watching it yes. for four years. So yeah. maybe maybe it's more like eight years had and passed Nemesis. because no one was like, watching Enterprise. The Nemesis, Nemesis movie was work. a bomb, yeah. and that was years before this. Enterprise was just kind of limping along. It is surprising yeah. it was only four years to get to that because it did feel, when that 09 movie came out, I was like, Star Trek's back from the grave. It's like Star Trek hadn't been on right. for like two yeah. years. You know, but it felt like it had been gone right. forever. I didn't watch Enterprise at the time, so it felt longer. I, so for me, it would have been the eight years from Nemesis, which would have been a decent amount of time to not have any new yeah. Star Trek. Oh on. yes, yeah, that definitely fit. And that's the thing too. Like I wasn't watching Enterprise. I yep. saw. I think I, I. You know what? I didn't even see Nemesis in the theater. I don't mm-hmm. think I saw it until much, much later. So <clears throat> the last start new Star Trek thing that I watched was First Contact. Yeah. And so yeah. as far as I was concerned, and well, some of Voyager, but not much of Voyager. So as far as I was concerned, it was. Gone. The first season of Voyager was the the most the newest <laughs> thing I had watched, um, but yeah, in and of itself, if 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 we're being if I'm being fair to it, the way that I was fair to the that I was trying to be fair to the other ones with this stuff, I think they pull it out in the second half, which is which is weird because I said as I said the middle feels like it's it they're not sure what to do and it is these sort of like vignettes and stuff, but I think overall. It is saved by what they're trying to do in showing the mirror creation of the Terran Empire yeah. to mirror the creation of the Federation. Um, but yeah, I for for a while as I was watching it, I was like, I'm not really sure if this this feels kind of throwaway to me yeah. because it's a lot of hey, look at this, hey, look at this. It's a story that at first isn't ultimately clear exactly where it's going the plot's kind of kind of hard to track um but as a whole you kind of take a step back and go like all right i see what they're trying to do so i think i would have liked if they had been able to do it in a in a less fan servicey way but also you know i like seeing the old shit as much as anybody else i i think now i guess that's something that's kind of i don't know if we ever talked about that because it's like is is there a difference to you between needlessly tying up loose ends to connect things and just literally showing you the old shit again as far as like how tacky it is to do which one like which i would prefer to see yeah um 
Well, so the way that I would think about that is that I, I appreciate the tying up of loose ends, but I think it's unnecessary. What's What's yeah. interesting is that I think there is a there is a way to see old shit and be impressed by it, which I'm thinking of when uh, in the motion picture when Kirk just luxuriates in eight minutes of looking at the new model of the Enterprise. Yeah, that yeah. is kind of cool, right? Because that's an upgraded version of what you used to know so you're like oh man this looks fantastic like look at this thing right. and it had been off the air for you know the decade or whatever it was i don't from seeing a hastily thrown together remock of the enterprise bridge on on enterprise is not that's not really the same thing I, that doesn't give me right. any kind of like oh man it's like they're sitting right where james tiberius kirk stood it's like well Good on them for throwing this together in three days. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was wondering. I was like, do they just have this set ready to go at, at, over at Paramount or something? Because they they must have – maybe they kept it after they did Trials and Tribulations and it's the same set or something. I don't yeah. know. I think this is – I was reading this is the largest recreation where the previous shows like in TNG, there's the Relics episode – they only built a very small sliver of it, and they kept the angle oh, very tight sure. on it. And I think that this mm-hmm. is almost a total recreation of the entire original set. So that's unusual yeah. for itself. But you know, that'd be my. my oh, thought. go ahead. Well, yeah, I was okay. just going to ask you, like s- the. Um, do you do? You, what's like something you enjoy seeing? Re- like, do you still get any kind of? I feel like it's an adolescent thing. I, I don't get chills from seeing old stuff in new things mm-hmm. anymore. Like I, I go, I could watch the original at this point. It's, it's right. not, it's not really well, interesting to me. I, for me, it's, for me, it's what you're doing with it and the story you're telling. And I think, I think I prefer that. I'm, oddly enough, coming saying, you know, with, with my criticism of this episode, I prefer that to tying up loose ends that nobody asked you to tie up. Because I yeah. feel like that that feels more like grasping at straws to me than how do we use the old stuff um, and and the uh, reverence or lack of reverence for that stuff in a new way. Like the idea the idea that the Terran Empire was started because evil Hoshi got control of a of a ship that was a hundred years in the, from the, from a hundred years in the future. That's a pretty interesting way to do, to do that. Yeah. That kind of thing. I find that more interesting than, well, we should probably explain why the, the Klingons don't have bumps on their heads mm. or, um, but even there, even there, as I said, when we were covering those episodes, I think the story they were trying to tell was interesting but they lean too much into that element. Yeah. And same with the Vulcans, where it's like the story you're telling is now in service of explaining this stuff that you've decided to use instead of using the stuff to do something kind of fun and new. Yeah. Yeah, I think just the, my final thought would be, I think Enterprise has literally walked the tightrope in this season where it doesn't feel particularly mm-hmm. egregious to me, but I'm kind of like, I, I wish you hadn't done this all that bad yeah, but sure. I, I don't i don't think yeah. this is terrible what you did but at the same time it's not not really what i would have expected out of it so I, I think in that regard they succeeded um and again to me season four is not a tremendous changing quality for the show it's just that they changed their focus on the material but otherwise 
you know, this feels when we're complaining that this doesn't feel like this has much to say about the formation of the Terran Empire. That's kind of what Enterprise does. Like Enterprise right, doesn't right. have a lot to say about its things. Um, this is what just was, a well-executed idea. What's funny though is actually it's the one time where the uh, the bang bang shoot 'em up third act didn't bother me because it's no. like well yeah that's what it would be like that's in what, the Terran Empire they just start shooting be. each other. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll go to patron thoughts in a little bit. But first, if you want to leave your patron thoughts, you have to become a patron at patreon.com slash file. It's the best way to support this show and the other shows on the network, if you want to call it that. Clay and Amanda have a real uh, Rotten Horror Picture show. It's badass. All these things are supported through Patreon, patreon.com slash file. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, Uh extra podcasts we do sci-fi movies we do star trek revisits we do random genre films we did tombstone we do polls that people can vote on what they want to see covered we have access to the discord on there if you're a captain tier you can we did little discord. women we did little women don't forget little women which is we've a good done podcast everything from we've done everything from robocop to little women on the uh, on the patreon <laughs> there's a wide wide berth of uh, stuff that we can go to. There's 100 plus podcasts. It's the best way to support the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske Fell. And as always, our captain tier supporters get a special thank you. So a special thank you goes to Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Angie Sherlock, Cal Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Russ, Christian Pouch, Brandon Howells, Matt Cutler, Michael Pond, Nick Sergey, Britton, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell, Elwood, Stephen Minton, HH28, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jig123, Point Extra G, Patrick Siba, Nick the Rat, Dave Davies, Grapple, John Zorn, Check Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Bardeur, Retail, Disbrada, Tom Hickey, Ed Mark Starr, Jose Hunter, ZW, and Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, James McLennan, Beale, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Two Weeks Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, Chase Jackson, Matt Burke, and Rage for the Machine. I don't know if they hear. I think they signed up after that podcast <coughs> came up, so that was just a, an interesting coincidence. That's it. Thank you all for supporting the show so generously and for funding Voyager, which is coming up yeah. post-haste. But first, Clay, we'll back, go to patron comments. Back into the shit. Kyle Barrett's seven seasons of Voyager. <laughs> I might oh be God. dead before that before that finishes. Kyle Barrett says, in a mirror, darkly. I'd argue this is the best mirror universe story. I'm just going to move this over just so I can look at it right here. I'd argue this is the best Mirror Universe story of the franchise because it actually offers an interesting inverse of the regular show. Instead of the season's usual concern of showing the early days of the Federation mindset where alliances are starting to form, we see how the Terran Empire turned into a truly terrible and powerful form from TOS and Discovery. Maybe my interpretation is wrong, but while the Terrans are evil from the start, their society still seemingly has a more respected chain of command and a place for other species in their service more than simple slavery, especially under Forest Command, who seems like a nicer guy as a Terran can get. And then Archer and presumably Empress Hoshi usher in the next level of backstabbing, fascism, oppression, and warmongering, truly creating the opposite of the regular season four Enterprise, specifically the next two eps. I also love how the Prime Universe's importance to events indirectly with Mirror Archer having regular Archer be the angel on his shoulder, but because of the moral inverse, he perceives him as the devil. The second episode is far superior to the first, even with the terrible scene of Archer elbowing a CGI Gorn in the face, and I'm shocked that the sets look so good considering the budget, although those bright lights on the Defiant must be hurting everybody's sensitive eyes. Five silhouetted sex scenes out of five. 
Yeah, there were so many sex scenes in this that they had to. They ran out of ways to shoot them. Uh, like they had to shoot them. They shot them differently every time. <laughs> I thought that was going to be your room connection where they just show the same sex scene twice. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. They there's a lot of well at least this this one as disgusting as those room sex scenes are. There's something uh, almost worse in the how do we do this on network television thing yeah. where it's always just like hard cut to them both going and like they're like sweaty yeah <laughs> it's just it's it's, it's kind of <laughs> unsettling i did honestly the silhouette scene where it was really dark i really i actually liked that one I no it's that cool really well they, they never broke the thing there was it was just a neat directorial choice because it shows you the background of the, yeah. the sets and everything like that um, There's only so much Vaseline you could smear all over Scott Bakula before you got to think of something new. My, um, I think I mentioned this on this. My favorite trope of sex scenes in TV and movies is that after the deed is done, the guy rolls over and he's like, ah, he's like, I got to get back to the office, and he just gets up and like puts his suit on. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's just he's got <laughs> sex filth all over him, and he's just like, I'll just I'll just get puts puts my underwear back on and get the hell out mm-hmm. of here. That's always funny. Yeah. Uh, what's the next comment here? It disappeared because I moved. In a mirror darkly from Russell Elledge. New Trek writers, you can't have the 60s style in modern Star Trek. Manny Cotto, hold my beer. I absolutely love this episode. So much camp, overacting, and hamming it up by the actors. You can tell they are having a great time. I found it clever that it's both a prequel and a sequel to TOS, and it's just plain fun. And remember, my friends, great men are not peacemakers. Great men are conquerors. That's true. Matt Ross says probably the best mirror universe adaptation out of all the series starting with the recreation of the ending of First Contact to the tie-in with TOS's Tholian Web to get the Defiant and the swashbuckling good time it was enjoyable the changed opening titles turning the font black into all the alternate violent history was a brilliant and welcome relief from the crap twonky theme song seeing the evil analogs the scars the scheming the skimpy outfits and the use of sex as a weapon as well as the twist with the manipulative hoshi was fun the fact that the rise of the all-powerful empire was dependent on a weird tos episode was a great idea many kodos mad dash to make a show that ties in with tos and the rest of star trek is again shown to be well handled five hail the empires out of five opening credits were great until the little cgi astronaut on the moon yes that yes. was I, they might as well have had Microsoft's Clippy come out and say, it looks like you're trying to plant a flag right, on this thing. Yeah. It was, that was terrible. I, I wish yeah. they hadn't done that. You couldn't have taken half a lunch break to shoot an extra <laughs> in one of those suits, like waving. That's true, because he is just wearing those uh, those little space suits that they wear, isn't he? Point G says, best cold open ever, and don't skip the theme song for once. It's great to see the TOS era sets, props, and costumes, including Uhura's earpiece and Kirk's green tunic. I particularly like Archer's Kirk pose on the captain's chair. This is really the only other foray into the mirror universe that truly captures the feel of mirror mirror. DS9 going a very different direction with it, and the less said about Discovery, the better. The minor mirror characters we see here also have understandable motivations with our prime universe characters simply being an influence on them. Royo says, this may be my favorite episode of the franchise. Goodness, and favorite intro to a Star Trek show. Wow. All right. What I really liked about this two-parter is that they weren't ashamed of the TOS-era design, but neither were they faithful to a fault, as the original set had fake-looking backlit paper screens instead of computer disc- displays, and I believe it was the right move to make an old-era bridge more realistic-looking without altering the design aesthetic. 
Modernism, minimalism has been the prevailing art style of society since the 30s and has typically been used to portray the future, including JJ's Enterprise and Disco's Enterprise. Uh, well, the original TOS set design was a rebellion against modernism. In many ways, Ent's version of the TOS era appears more futuristic to me with a computer display and technical readouts appearing uh, pronominally in colors red, green, and blue. Red, green, yellow, and blue, which I find suitably disorienting to my modern eyes. They are very weird looking. While the plot is silly, the fact that this story is a wholehearted embrace of the franchise and even fitting perfectly into canon shows the passion that went behind making this episode and it kind of highlights how DS9, to my disappointment, was trying to distance itself from all that by giving Cisco's Defiance the registry number NX74205 instead of NCC1764A. Five out of five. Favorite of the franchise. Right. I wonder if that's a typo, if you mean series or franchise. Franchise is a powerful word to use in that situation. I would, I would accept series, I think. Not that I don't accept a franchise, but it, it makes more sense to me. You'll have Unacceptable. To You'll have to let us know, Royo, if that is actually the, your favorite of the franchise or the series. Jakey's Gamer says, I know it's pure fan service, but I like it. It's fun, meaningless romp that hits nostalgic beats in the way that I find very satisfying. That said, as someone who spent time chronicling all of the Star Trek episodes chronologically, these episodes, along with TOS's The Tholian Web and Discovery's Despite Yourself, make up the one time in all of Trek we find a time loop of episodes, making them hard to place canonically. And for that, I hate these episodes, but I still love them. (laughs) Five Defiance out of five. Grapple John Zorn says, In a mirror darkly fan service checklist, mirror universe, check, goatee, check, Gorn, check, Tholians, check, Tholian web, check, gratuitous helpings of midriff, check, chick fight with gratuitous midriff oriented camera angles, check, full on OG constitution class blowing shit up like a boss, check, hand phaser incineration, check, wait, is this first contact, check, putting the hoe in Hoshi, check, 92 straight minutes of reminding us that Bacula was miscast, check, five out of five from the old school fanboy, check. I think that um oh geez her name is blanking on me uh, oh paul what's her name uh, what's jolene blaylock jolene blaylock has the longest torso i've ever seen and it's it's just it's accentuated so much by the midriff thing yeah where it's and she's she's so thin yeah. that it's just it seems like it's just you know very long i i feel i noticed it most when she had her season one cat suit <clears throat> Which was like that camo-ish looking color. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, that yeah. seemed to accentuate her her body um, the most. Uh, that like showed how sort of unusually shaped she is. Um, for um, what I thought was funny, there's a tremendous amount of midriffs in this episode. There's also an extremely large amount of unflattering the camera is at their waist as they're sitting down shots on them in the midriff, which <laughs> I, which they're, they're all uh, beautiful women and they're in great shape, but no one, mm-hmm. no one's belly looks terrific when you're, when you're sitting down. That's so like, you're going to have some rolls right there. Uh, I always thought that that was funny. I would have, if I was those two, I would have asked, can the camera go elsewhere? Really? Here? This is not the best place. <laughs> Captain Brazen says in a mirror darkly, thank the prophets, the Cisco or whoever Manny Cotto had to screw to make this glorious masterpiece of smoked ham. Part one's first contact throwback was a great inversion of the prime universes and nothing that says nothing else says welcome to Bozeman, Montana better than a shotgun blast to the chest. 
The Mirror Universe style, as we know from TOS and not DS9, is on full display and dialed up to 11 with the swashbuckling, backstabbing, sabotaging, and paranoid delusions of gaining more power. My wife and I don't care for Archer as a captain, so seeing Mirror Archer's death, though a bit predictable in this universe, was rewardingly cathartic. My favorite Easter egg in these episodes is that the TOS phaser being used by Archer is in fact a toy replica that was being sold on store shelves at the time. Five oh, original really? Constitution class starship kicking alien ass out of five. <laughs> Two more. That's fun. Christian Pouch says a ridiculously stupid, overacted, and very fun episode. It's blatant fan service and has no point to it, but it's enjoyable. I put it above the later DS9 Mirror Universe episodes because we know it's a one-off with nothing to lose and we can accept the absurdity, and above Disco Mirror Universe because they're not really trying to rehabilitate Psycho Hitler Archer. Five out of five until the fun feeling wears off. And final comment, Brandon Howell says, In a Mirror Darkly, the only episode of Enterprise where I don't skip the theme song. Far too silly, but too much fun to care. Flox does enjoy his work too much. And look, they finally found a perfect use for Travis. The best Mirror Universe episode in all of Trek, in my opinion. Four and a half Hoshi versus DePaul catfights out of five. Thank you, Patrons. I will say, between between the earring and the hair and the uniform, Every time they cut to Travis, I was like, he looks like he's in Shalimar or something. <laughs> or like like Cameo. And it's a great look. He looks yeah. he looks really good. No, he looks it, good he, in the mirror universe. Yeah, I wish he I wish as you were saying he didn't have his sleeves on because I'd be like, This yeah. guy, this guy's a mirror universe guard if I've ever seen one. Yeah. It's like they they're on the first shot it's Star Trek on the Enterprise and then they cut to him and it's the China Club in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Apparently, it just takes an episode that everyone really loves to get a, a bunch of comments. I think people's gas was running out. Yeah, I guess. Enterprise here. Thank so you. So we'll much. have we'll have zero between zero and three comments per episode for, for first for Voyager five seasons of Voyager. Whatever it is. I, people love people love. I'll be I'll be interested to see how our numbers do with Voyager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Voyager gets people. Um, People care about Voyager in the way they don't care about Enterprise. I think we'll see, though. I'm just, I just can't wait for uh, Kate Mulgrew's Russian accent. Yeah, I can't wait for. Uh, we talked in the thing. I'm going to, if people are tired about my Vulcan points, wait until Tuvok shows up, and I'm going to be like, look at this specimen of a Vulcan, not emoting whatsoever, <laughs> doing exactly what I expect him to do. Tuvok's a great Vulcan. All right, so that's it. Thank you, patrons. Clay, on a scale of one to five, how are you going to rate this one? We'll give it one rating. We're not rating each individual episode, although if you want to give the uh, the thought process, if they're averaging out in your head in some way, feel free. Um, <clears throat> I will give them combined. I think I'll give them a four. Okay. Um, Which episode because, did you like better? You know, I don't know. It's a tough call because, like I said, I like the I like the first act and I like the last act. In the middle, I was kind of could take or leave. Yeah. Um, Kyle surprised me. He said he liked the second one much better than the first one. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't think it's so obvious. I liked the first one for the first one felt like it was its own thing before it got really into fan service. Is what I liked about the first yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Because um, yeah, it's it's interesting because like when you got something like this, I feel like it's almost. Th- that ship in the being in the past is almost so big of a deal that it needs to be like the one thing you do, mm-hmm. you know, because if it's like that 
plus there's a Gorn, plus there's this, plus there's a, then you can kind of get overwhelmed by it instead yeah. of like, so you can't don't really focus on the how big a deal it is. Like, oh shit, there's a hundred ship from hundred years in the future back in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they I think they have a lot of fun with it, and I do think it's it's better than the other Mirror Universe episodes because it is more focused and it is kind of about something. Um, yeah, so I'll give it a four. The um, one thing that struck me that I didn't have time to mention, I'll mention it here. They would have uh, the Tholians would have saved whoever stole the Defiant would have saved themselves a lot of trouble if they had to put a door on the front of the cave that it was in so that you can't just see the ship oh, yeah. sitting, <laughs> sitting in there or just you know put a bigger rock in front of it or something just one of, one of those uh shower curtains at the dentist office that you can pull across there's just nothing to see here folks um is this a top five enterprise episode for you i know you don't know the episodes off the top of your head but would you would you be like this is um, one of the better fours or is this just a okay episode for you that's a really good question um, while you're thinking about it i'm going to give it a four and it's definitely mm-hmm. top five enterprise for me i think um i think that the maybe three of the best five episodes of the series have come in this last season i think it's this observer effect and um that was the other one that i really liked now of course i can't remember whatever that one was but the, oh bound i like bound too when no one seemed to like that one but oh, I, right. I like those yeah. three um this one it it did feel while I was watching this, I enjoyed watching this one in a way that I have not really enjoyed watching Enterprise episodes before. I, I was kind mm-hmm. of riveted by it in a way that I don't think the quality is much better than a lot of Enterprise episodes, but it did feel in a way this was one of the most fun episodes this season in trying to do a sure, canon thing. Sure. And it, it held my attention in a lot of different ways. And I would definitely show this to somebody if they were like, what's the mirror universe about? I'd say, watch Mirror Mirror and then this one. Um, those are the two. So I think it's important. I think it's a, a good episode and I think it's one of Enterprise's better at this point. Yeah. I don't know if I would put it in the top five only because I don't know. It's tough because like, is this one of the better episodes in general, like generally speaking, probably yes. But like <clears throat> when I think about Enterprise and what Enterprise is about, I don't know if I would really yeah. think about this episode. It's true. Because and, and I think that's kind of what turns me off a little bit about it in general, is that it it feels more gimmicky because it doesn't feel like overall it feels in line with what they're trying to do again because it's the the origin of the empire is mirroring them blah, blah, blah. but <clears throat> but like i don't i don't know i feel like there are other episodes that are more um in line with the show that they set up yeah and what they were trying to do with the show than this <clears throat> if that makes sense no that's fair i would um I would probably feel the same way if someone said that Trials and Tribulations was the top five DS9. I'd say that's a good episode, but right. I, don't, I don't know yeah, if that I wouldn't, is appropriate. No, I wouldn't there. say that. Yeah, And, you know, it's kind of... Excuse me. Um, it's kind of the same logic I apply to why I, I, I take a couple ticks off of City on the Edge yeah. of Forever. Because it's like, yeah, it's a great science fiction story. It's really well done. But, like, it doesn't... It, 
when I think about Star Trek and all of the Star Trek things and what they were trying to do with that show, yeah. that's not what I think of. I think of something like Balance of Terror. Yeah. So with that kind of same criteria, I don't think I would put this in the top five Enterprise episodes. We'll see how I feel by the end of it. I'll probably give a, a top five at some point. Maybe not do an episode, but come up with something. But I, yeah. This is, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Um, I'm done. Well, I was just going to say this is this is going to be a tough recap if we do a recap because mm. I, I can't remember if, if we – do we usually do those together or do you do them by yourself? No, we do remember. them together. For Enterprise, we've okay. been doing them together. It's going to be a tough series recap because it's only four seasons, but I feel like we've been doing it for eight years. <laughs> and so like, I can barely remember anything that, that happened in this show. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to rely heavily on patron feedback. It might be one of those things where I yeah, organize yeah. The episode, our conversation around patrons, what patrons think about it, because they'll probably spark my memory. It does feel like we've been doing, and it's just the, you know, not to hate on it, Enterprise feels the same. In a, like a lot, of, it, it yeah, feels like it's yeah. been a very workmanlike, monotonous series that we've gone through. That's it. We both give it fours, although I think we're slightly on different ends of the spectrum of a four. I, I like this one. I thought it was good. Clay thinks it's also very good, but maybe not one of the better ones. In a mirror, darkly. We'll see how this all wraps up. We've got only two episodes of regular Enterprise left before the finale, and they are a two-parter called Terra. Prime and Demons, or Demons and Terror Prime are the two of them. We've so, only got we only got two more before the finale. Yep, three more episodes of Enterprise really? total. Wow. Okay. And close to the end, and everyone's favorite actor, Peter Weller, is in the next two. He's the villain. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah. So we'll how that does that line up with continuity? I know he's the he's bad in, guy into darkness. In, into darkness. Yep. Ugh. <laughs> Can they he's, get anything right? He's the mirror universe guy. He's gonna come. He comes back with the ship whenever it comes back, and he's on it, and he's ready to go. So that's it. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Thank you everybody for listening. Much appreciated. We will be back with uh, demons. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? This has been a long episode, but it is a two parter. Yeah. Um. Thanks for listening to Rotten Horror Picture Show. We finished up Friday the Thirteenth on Patreon which the final episode should be out now. And this year, I assume this is the, in 2022. When this yeah, comes this out. will be 2022. Um, Amanda and I will be doing Stephen King adaptations, one a month, uh, book ended by It Part 2 and the 1990 Tim Curry version of It and mm-hmm. then a bunch of other ones in between. Um, and uh, Badass, there should be a new episode of Badass out by this point, I think. Um, but that's kind of a bridge between we're kind of in a bridge period between the original series and Batman Beyond. Uh, so it's going to be a couple before we start Batman Beyond. And uh, if you want to copy my book, Bloody Hell, which is out my graphic novel, I think the best bet is either to order it from your comic store or go directly to the publisher, which is a wave blue world. Um, they got a website. You can order it from there. Uh, it's been backed up or sold out or something on Amazon. So easier to go to the source straight to the source and thank you to everyone who supported that when i did the kickstarter it was a uh, it was a long haul but the book's finally out and uh i think it looks great so hope you guys enjoy it there it is yeah i have mine there it is this is the right way up right there we go look at that <laughs> there it is i can there color correct yeah. with this this one actually you know i do um i haven't talked to you about this really the um 
I find the colors interesting in this mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, yeah. He, I haven't really thought about it, but it's, it's like, it's like waves of color, which I find interesting. Like yeah. the color sort of, it's not like you have a whole mess of different colors on the same panel or anything. It's like the green turns into orange over the course of a couple pages and then it turns into something else. And I, I think it would, um, came out interesting. I would love to see a colorist's, how that works. Is that all computer mm. at this point for this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're hand painting stuff, which is not what most people do. Uh, it's, yeah, it's all digital now. How do you do gradients with that system I, I guess i'd have to look at like a youtube tutorial but how 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 do you shade effectively in a computer program like that i guess yeah i, well, I have you a hard do time it it's just you can yeah you can do it it's just uh it depends what program you're using um photoshop or uh if you're if you're coloring comics it's going to be photoshop or maybe something else i know some people are using like procreate or clip studio or stuff like that to um to do that stuff now but uh yeah i mean the people who do it for a living are very good at it yeah, so good they, at it. they, they, they just, know all the tricks and i stuff. struggle with making like a single gradient in photoshop so i can't imagine having to do it on like a complicated oh image yeah and be like oh yeah, yeah this is this is good for me that's yeah, it yeah. you guys can get the book it's out and that's it I guess we're done. I'll put a link. There's been a links on the past couple of videos, and this one will probably have the same thing. Two more episodes of Enterprise, and then the finale, and then we're done with Star Trek Enterprise. Hope everyone's having a good 2022 so far. We'll be back. See ya.